When a young man wakes up to get ready for work one day, he has no idea he's about to leave his house and step into an alternate reality. And then we travel to Alabama in the 1930s to take a look at a group of FBI agents who had a showdown with an alien witch today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had a really, really fun weekend. What is it? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, so there's that. Valentine's Day is coming up. So that's... You're like, Jason, I'm listening to this episode in August of the year 2025. I have no idea what you're talking about. But for those of you who listen to... Most of you guys listen to it as the episode's coming out. For those of you guys who are listening to these episodes coming out, I have a Valentine's Day recommendation for you. Do not watch the movie Death on the Nile. I watched it. I went on a date last night. The movie is about a man who catches a grenade in the face and blows his face off. And then he grows a mustache to cover up this this hideously scarred face of his. And then he solves mysteries. Now you're like, Jason, that sounds like the best day movie ever. What do you mean? It was so dumb. How often do I actually review bad movies on this podcast? I never do. So when I'm saying it's bad, when I'm actively saying stay away from Death on the Nile, it's the origin story of a man's mustache, it's so bizarre. And the special effects are really bad. Um, it was, it was, you're like, Jason, is this about Agatha Christie? What are you talking about? Special effects? Grenades? awful. Do not watch Death on the Nile. Dead Rabbit recommends saving your money and not watching that, but someone I always recommend hanging out with coming into Dead Rabbit Command. It's one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Give it up for Cindy Pereira. Woo! Yeah, come on in. Come. She has tickets for Death on the Nile. We're pushing her back out. Cindy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Now, Cindy, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are driving all the way out to the state of Illinois. If you ever want to watch a movie where Gal Gadot is not sexy, watch Death on the Nile. Nobody was sexy in the movie. It was super weird. And at one point, they're standing on this Egyptian monument. It's like King Tut's tomb. And she's like, ride me like a horse, ride me like a horse. And she's like rubbing her butt up against some dude. The movie is incomprehensible. You're like, Jason, you're clearly making this stuff up. Is this some sort of bit? No. Okay, Cindy, let's go ahead and stop the car here in Illinois. It's October 2021. This guy, you know, it's so funny because we cover these stories and they're all spectacular. Like, I try to go out of my way to find the best stories. But sometimes the authors can kind of shoot themselves in the foot. In this case, this is a really interesting story. I love this one. But the guy who posted this goes by the name Chief Two Balls. And it's really it's really hard to take this story seriously knowing that it's written by a guy named Chief Two Balls. But that actually does play a part in how this story ends. You'll see. It'll be weird how we finish the story out. And the story itself is quite bizarre. October 2021, we're in the state of Illinois. And Chief Two Balls, let's call him Chucky. No, let's not do that. Let's call him Charles. Charles is 26 years old. He wakes up and he does the regular rigmarole we all do. Ooh, regain consciousness. Walk around. Time for breakfast. 
Now, like a man after my own heart, this guy, he eats his breakfast. He goes to get breakfast. He's all walking past his kitchen. Not today, food. He gets in his car. He drives to the local gas station. And his breakfast, what he eats all the time, is donuts and Pepsi. That's awesome, right? First off, I can totally relate to this dude. I was like, yep, yep. That's his goal. He's going to go to the gas station, get donuts and Pepsi like he does every morning. And he's sitting in his car and he puts on his mask and he walks into the gas station and he stops. And he realizes he's standing in this gas station with his mask on due to the COVID mandates. Everyone else in the gas station is not wearing a mask. What? It's kind of weird. He's just kind of walking through the aisles to get his donuts and his Pepsi. Now, when he's writing this report, he, he again, this is kind of a throwaway line. I actually had to go back and look for it, but it'll come into play later. As he's walking through the store, as he's writing this narrative, he says, listen, I don't think masks work personally, but I just wear a mask to avoid confrontation, just so I'm not getting stopped by clerks or having someone yell at me. I, I don't believe they work, though. That's what he's saying. But now, as he's walking through the store, people are looking at him like he's the weirdo. No one else in this gas station is wearing a mask. And he is. So he's trying to avoid confrontation. And now he looks like, at the very least, he hasn't heard that the mandate was lifted or something like that. But he thinks it's really weird. No one else is wearing a mask. He gets his donuts and his Pepsi. And he goes to work. Walks into his place of employment. Nobody is wearing a mask at work. We're so used to seeing people with masks indoors and outdoors. So when he walked into the gas station, that was unnerving. When he walked into his work and they weren't wearing masks. Super unnerving. And you would figure if the mandates were coming down, you would have known about it on the news. Your coworkers, your boss would have been saying, on this day, we're going to stop wearing masks. But that's not the case. He just walks into these places, no one's wearing masks. And he figures... I might be in an alternate. <laughs> I might be in an alternate dimension. Not that I haven't been following the news in my state or my area lifted the mask mandate. Something even more bizarre is going on. He excuses himself to go to the bathroom and he pulls out his phone and he types in COVID-19. No search results. He's scrolling through Google. Nothing. He, he found himself waking up into a world where COVID did not exist. It rattles his brain. Cannot figure this out. He comes out of the bathroom and he walks up to a friend of his at work and he goes, Hey, why isn't everyone wearing their masks? And his co-worker is looking at him, Charles, wearing a face mask at work. And the friend goes, what in the world are you talking about, dude? He's like, why aren't, we, why aren't you wearing a mask? What about the COVID-19? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And at that point, Charles goes, you know what? I'm not feeling good. I'm, I'm headed on out. I'm going to take an early day. People are like, yeah, leave. Why do you have a mask? You're obviously sick. So he goes home and he thinks he's going insane. He's like, I know for a fact. That for the past two years, there's been a virus known as COVID-19 and we've all had to wear these masks. But no one else. He's all driving by playgrounds and kids don't have masks on. People are two feet apart just breathing into each other's faces. He's like, no masks, no masks. He drives home and the, the be <laughs> this is the most obvious cure for insanity, right? He takes a nap. If you ever think you're going insane, just sleep it off. Just sleep it off. He wakes up from his nap. COVID exists again.
He knows immediately because the world's a lot more depressing. He wakes up, he's like, oh, everything's grayscale. Ugh, great, COVID's still here. He realizes then when he goes out, people are wearing masks and stuff like that. Like a day or two later, he returns back to work. This is such an interesting thing. So let me let me stop here for a second, because right now we have a typical alternate universe story. We've covered stuff like this before on the show, and I love these type of things where this guy shifts into another reality. And I'll try to find some of those other episodes, put them in the show notes, but we cover it quite a lot. And so, and then he comes back to our reality and reports his tale. So obviously the story could be completely made up, whatever. We're, we're a paranormal podcast. We're going to look at it on other factors. He shifts to this other reality and comes back and he posts this story. And where we're about to go with this is really, really interesting because we get some follow-up. When he posts this story, two things happen. First off, it becomes a huge debate about whether or not masks are effective. So, I mean, that was most of the comments was people going back and forth about all that. This guy teleported to another reality and he's posting this in a paranormal forum and people are like, guys, keep, keep your eye on the prize, right? Keep your eye on the prize. But other people... Other people realize this guy may have shifted realities and they started asking follow-up questions and they said, "This is I would not have thought about this. This is so interesting. People go, well, eventually you went back to work, right? What happened then? This is really, really cool. So Charles goes back to work like a day or two later. He's at work and he talks to the same co-worker he met in the alternate reality. And he walks up to his co-worker and goes, hey, the other day, remember when I went home early and the coworker goes, yeah, I remember that. The coworker goes, yeah, you came into work and you looked really confused and you were like really pale. You looked sick. You honestly looked sick. And you walked up to me and you started asking me about COVID-19 and masks. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? And then you just kind of stuttered a bit and said you didn't feel well and you left. And I was like, what in the world? But in this reality, that conversation took place. The coworker was wearing a mask. So the reality is so fascinating. The realities were so close to each other that the same conversation took place in both realities. But in the one reality, if someone walked up to you today and said, hey, have you heard of a thing called COVID-19? You'd be like, what? What are you talking about, you idiot? Yes, I've heard of that. You want to be like, is that some obscure band Pitchfork has reviewed in their latest issue? You would know. So if someone was like, hey, hey, buddy, if someone was trying to start a conversation with you like that, you'd be like, "Uh, yeah, I totally know that stuff. Why are you even asking me this question? Oh, I'm sick. I'm just going to go home. Yeah, you should go home if you just asked me what's COVID-19 and you look like you have COVID-19. The conversation took place in both realities. So really, there's two ways you can look at this. One, that when you go to an alternate reality, you may affect both realities. If this story is true, that's an amazing find in the world of multiple worlds, right? That's crazy if this story is true. Now, again, could totally be made up. There's also the chance that Charles is going insane. And he was in our reality, but he was hallucinating people without masks. And he went to work, and he's looking at a guy, and he's hallucinating he doesn't have a mask. That is very troubling, right? If that's the case, Charles, go to a doctor. <laughs> go to a doctor in this reality and get checked out. But if it is an alternate reality story, that's groundbreaking. That the, the, the 
the membrane between the two is so thin, you can have a conversation in two realities when you only are in one. So much stuff, so much stuff you could go, wow, when you're in one alternate reality, it's affecting your home alternate reality. And maybe that's the reason why you can't find your keys. Because in an alternate reality, you put your keys somewhere else that day. And then when you find them and you go, I looked all over the place and here they are in plain sight because of the other you in an other reality is moving those keys. Jaw dropping, right? This could be totally fake. I got to say that yet again. But if this is true, massive repercussions for the world of the paranormal and the world of alternate realities, you can affect both. And I wanted to say, too, like, you know, like at the beginning, he goes by the name Chief Two Bowls. And I like to look through people's post histories to kind of get an idea of what they're talking about. This is a guy who all he does is talk about cars and Battlefield 2042. And then you have like all of this stuff. He's like, what? This game totally sucks. What? And then, oh, look at this nice car. And then in the middle of that, he has this story that he responded to a couple of comments on. And then he goes on talking about Battlefield 2042 again. So on the one hand, I think a a paronaut, that's a word I just made up, a paranormal researcher, a paronaut. You don't have to use that word. But anyways, but if you do, I copyright we, I think, would go headfirst into trying to figure out what happened to us. But someone who isn't necessarily interested in the paranormal could have this event being like, oh, that was weird. And then just go on with their, <laughs> go on and start playing Battlefield 2042. Um, I think other people would constantly just start trying to absorb stuff about alternate realities and things like that. But I, So that, to me, adds a little bit of credence to it. So I just thought that was an interesting tidbit to that. That this is a guy who doesn't seem to have a real interest in the paranormal, at least according to his post history. And then this happened to him and he'll continue on his life and maybe throughout the years go, that was so weird that that happened. And if you thought that story was weird, which I hope you do because I talked about it for 15 minutes, tomorrow, here's a little teaser for tomorrow's episode. Tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to meet a man who also came to our reality, but he didn't start here. He came to us from a reality far darker than the one we live in now. But we'll save that episode for tomorrow. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys will listen to it. Hopefully you won't slip into an alternate reality between now and then. Cindy, let me go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Illinois. We are headed all the way out to rural Alabama. <laughs> rural as in... I don't know why so many of my stories take place in the countryside. And I have to say that word rural as in like country, outdoorsy type of stuff. R-U-R-A-L. That's one of those words like I can't even, I can't even pretend to think that I know how to pronounce. We're in rural Alabama. It's July 1939. And we are sitting out in the bushes. And we see a black car driving down a dusty road. And they're headed towards a house in particular. And there's this lady, she's sitting on the porch, sitting in a rocking chair. And the sedan is driving up, kicking up dust as it's pulling up into this old woman's driveway. And out of this black sedan steps three federal agents. They are members of the FBI and they've been sent here on a mission just to talk to this old lady. Because there's rumors that have been going around in the area. This woman, we'll call her Meredith, can apparently tell the future. Now, these stories must have been passed around locally for a long time. And there must have been enough truth to them for them to actually be reported to the police. 
And then the police to do some investigation, and eventually the FBI gets a hold of this thing. But she's just sitting on this porch without a care in the world. And as these three FBI agents get out of the sedan and they're walking towards her, they have no idea what they're about to encounter. Probably, they probably were just asked, go talk to this old lady. She says she's a fortune teller. It's the 1930s. She's probably ripping people off. She's probably running some sort of scam. Go figure it out. And that's probably what the FBI agents were thinking. The head FBI agent, we don't have names for any of these guys, but we're going to call the head FBI agent of this group. There's three of them. We're going to call him Joseph. And they all walk up to the front of the house. And Joseph goes, hey, ma'am, we have some questions for you. And the lady, she just looks at him and smiles. Sure, sure, I'll answer your questions. But I am no fortune teller. The agents kind of look at each other, dust swirling on the ground. I know you're going to ask me if I'm a fortune teller, but I'm not a fortune teller. I can read minds, though. I know why you're here. And, and yes, yes, I have had this ability for a long, long time. And she's just sitting on the porch there. And I mean, the, the FBI agents, this is their job, asking questions. But how do you ask questions if someone knows all the answers? And not in some sort of alibi way. It's not that they already figured it out. She's answering the first questions they were going to ask. Are you a fortune teller? How long have you had this ability? Joseph goes, where are you from? And she answers, another world. Why are you here? Well, I'm guarding something, really. I mean, if you have to ask, I'm guarding something. But what I'm guarding is of no concern to humans. Obviously, you don't get far in the FBI. <laughs> you don't get far in the FBI believing in witchcraft, believing in aliens, which even like in 1939, aliens were 100% a product of science fiction. I don't even know how much the word alien was in the vernacular other than people coming from other countries. Right? I think back then, when people used the word alien, you would assume immigrant. They're not, obviously, though, you're standing on this woman's front porch. She's in the middle of rural Alabama. If you were from another world, if you did have magical powers, why would you be here? And But she has the answers to all the questions. And so finally, Joseph is like, okay, you know what? We can stand out here all day long, get dust in our hair. Or, you know what? Let's go back. Let's go back to the bureau. We have some questions to ask you. And she says no. No, I'm not going anywhere with you. We're going to be sitting right here. I'll answer your questions before you even ask him. And Joseph orders one of his men, let's escort the missus back to the car. And as one of these FBI agents begins walking up the short staircase to her porch, he has an epileptic fit. He begins trembling uncontrollably and falls on the ground. In a moment or two, it passes. And he's slowly getting to his feet. And Meredith says, if you try that again, none of you will leave here alive. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should go back and get some reinforcements. And Joseph does bid Meredith a goodbye. But as they're walking back to the car, Joseph turns around and says, listen, my superiors, people who sent us out here are going to want proof of any of these claims you've made. Obviously, we're not going to be able to go back and say we went to her house. She is from another world, whatever that means. In 1939, we're going to want some proof that you can read minds and stuff like that or that you are who you say you are. Meredith is sitting on the porch and she goes, tell you what. At random, have your superiors pick 
an area of 100 square miles. Anywhere that you want. Pick 100 square miles and put markers around that area. And make sure that no airplane is flying over that patch of land. Then they will have proof. So that had, would have had to have been a long car drive back, <laughs> leaving this woman's house back to bureau headquarters. First off, you'd be like, dude, are you okay? You were walking up the steps and you started freaking out. It's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what hit me. I just felt, I just felt that I needed to twitch out and fall down. So they go back to the bureau, though, and they say, hey, listen, that woman, he was, people say she's a fortune teller. She says she's a mind reader. She didn't make, she didn't make this, <laughs> she didn't make this dude freak out. But, you know, trickery, right? You can do all sorts of trickery. Why would FBI agents be there to ask questions? You could just start throwing out random answers. However, she did say that she could prove who she was if we checked out a hundred mile area, square miles, and put markers up and made sure nothing was flying overhead. And But you're not going to do that, obviously. It's just some kook, right? This was just some sort of trick. And the Bureau says, you know what? Uh, just to be safe, let's find a hundred square miles that no airplane flies over and set those markers up. A short time after that, the FBI does deploy a team of agents. They did pick a area and the agents went and they put up the flags. They marked the area completely at random. And then some time passed and then the agents went back there. And when they walked into this 100 square mile patch of land, the entire area was completely devoid of life. No birds, no squirrels, no rabbits, no insects, no plants. Nothing. Now, obviously, if they marked it off in the middle of Death Valley, that wouldn't be... They don't say exactly where this patch of land was. I would assume it was somewhere in Alabama, since this was like a local bureau thing. But who knows, right? You would want to mark off a place that did have those things in it. But again, they didn't know what was going to happen. They were just told to mark off this area and keep planes out of it. Keep planes out of the area, which back in 1939, I don't think there was a ton of planes flying around. But there were there were enough you wouldn't want to have devoid of life in. And then after that point, the agents who had started this whole thing, who had investigated the woman in the first place, and they may have even been part of the team to go out to this area, they were told by their superiors... Just forget the whole thing. You know that whole mind-reading alien witch who could wipe out all life in 100 square miles? Just forget that that ever happened. And then according to sources, even the FBI never investigated this woman again. Or at least not officially. After this point, the Federal Bureau of Investigation decided to leave well enough alone and never again made contact with the alien witch of Alabama. This is a story that I got from Albert Rosales' Humanoid Sighting Reports. He has this huge... This is, he's one of those guys who basically has created a compendium of every humanoid sighting. It's a massive resource. It's a lot like... Think about it, Docs.com, and they, they actually crib each other's notes, it seems like, a lot. But... And he got it from a book called UFOs in New Mexico and the World. Because this story definitely didn't take place in New Mexico. Those are our sources, right? Which, again, 
I've never been able to find actual FBI documents on this. There hasn't been a Freedom of Information Act request for the alien witch of Alabama. But what an amazing story. And it what I like about it is it confirms a lot of our priors. We one, I've always felt, even before X-Files, but it definitely skyrocketed after X-Files, that law enforcement would have an interest in the paranormal. It's super weird because if you are a police officer and you start talking about going to, on patrols to haunted houses, you're going to get laughed out of the precinct. People are going to make fun of you. If you're a pilot, and you re this is the reason why you, a lot of UFOs don't get reported, because if you're a pilot and you're in the air all the time and you see a UFO, you're going to be called... You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be called a kook. And that's how it was for decades. And really today, if you're a cop and you go, oh, I don't like that beat. I don't like going, walking the streets because I think there's a bunch of ghost school urchin kids. People, and he, this is the reason why. When you're a police officer, when you're a pilot, when you're in the military, in anything, your mental acuity is key. And your safety is dependent on the person who's sitting next to you being... No, not insane, right? If you're a cab driver and there's a couple other cab drivers who are a little nutty, that doesn't affect you. But you don't want your co you don't want your co-pilot reading UFO books and looking out the window with binoculars and be like, I saw another one, I saw another one. Quick, turn this way here. You don't want that. So that's part of it. You want the people who your life depends on to be rational people. But on the other hand, like that example, I'm not saying everyone who loves UFOs is crazy and going to try to jackknife a 747. That's the stereotype, right? The the me the government and the media has done a really good job creating the tinfoil hat wearing weirdo to make people not want to talk about this stuff because you will get treated like a weirdo. So they have that. When you are a police officer, you can't be talking about ghosts and stuff like that. You will get made fun of. It, Fox Mulder's name in X-Files was Spooky Mulder. Everyone called him Spooky Mulder except for his partner. And she did not want to work with him. She knew right from the get-go. Okay, first off, X-Files isn't a true story, right? It's not It's not integral that I'm talking about this. But even in that show, he was Spooky Mulder. It was, he was put down for believing this stuff. So you have that. And on the other hand, you would have... that. That's basically on the bottom level, right? That's the day-to-day -day officers. But on the highest level, you would have people in FBI, in CIA, in local police departments. Maybe not so much local police departments, but definitely like FBI and CIA. You would have groups dedicated to the paranormal. We know that for a fact. We can talk... X-Files is fake, but we have the story of the men who stare at goats and all this stuff where the CIA was trying to practice mind control, MK Ultra type programs. They're trying to do remote viewing. The, the standard CIA agent, if he starts going, hmm, I wonder what that terrorist is up to. And then he closes his eyes and started going, oh, he built a bomb. That guy is getting fired the next day. But what's funny is eight levels above him, there's a dedicated office and they have remote viewers in there, in the CIA. It's such a weird dichotomy. If you're a FBI agent on the field and you're talking about the paranormal, people are going to think you're a kook. But there are, off the record, on the record, who knows, they're investigating that stuff. And this would make sense that you would, you would send out agents who were super skeptical. You wouldn't send me out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're a spooky witch. Tell me all your powers. You would send people out there who didn't believe in that stuff. And then when they saw it and they came back and they were scared or, you know, pretending not to be scared, they're covering up the stains and their slacks.
you would know something was right about it. You would test this, and then that would be the end of it. And you definitely wouldn't send those agents back out to talk to her. You know why? Because now they believe her. Now that they've seen this patch of land. Super interesting story. Really, really interesting story. I do believe the highest levels of government and law enforcement are investigating these things. We know they're investigating, and this is the key, we know they're investigating UFOs because Congress is now passing things about UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, uh, trying to figure this out. When I'm talking about this, I'm talking about even things even more esoteric. Ghosts. Demons. Powerful wizards, magicians, whatever this woman was capable of, that could win a war. But the first goal, it wouldn't just be for pure curiosity, right? It wouldn't just be like, oh, that's cool, magic. <laughs> what are we going to do next? To control it. To own it. To use it. That's why they would be investigating this stuff. Does magic work is the first question. The second question is, how do we use it? And when you have groups like the FBI, the FBI is an arm of the federal government. And you have the head FBI leader, agent, director of FBI, whatever. Yeah, the FBI director is what it's called. That guy has a boss that you don't know, that I don't know, that I doubt many people know. The people who truly run these agencies, they're not newspapers. They're not in government records. They're not the president. But the true people in power, you don't know them. You've never heard their name spoken. They're the ones figuring this stuff out. Does magic work? And how do we use it? Are ghosts real? And can we communicate with them? Are demons real? And how do we stop them from destroying the world? Or how do we make alliances with them to stop our enemies from destroying the world? These are all questions in the realm of science fiction. There's been dozens of books written about this stuff. But I believe that these agencies and these shadow men, not, not literally shadow men, so we talk about that a lot on the show, but these hidden hands within the government are accumulating this knowledge, this esoteric knowledge. I highly doubt that the FBI stopped investigating this woman after she destroyed 100 square miles of landscape. Did they have a friendly conversation with her after the fact? Did they try to capture her and put her in some sort of laboratory? Is she still here, free, sitting in rural Alabama? No agent could possibly stop her. She's still continuing to guard what is no concern to humans. Who knows? But I don't believe that the government didn't try to get at her again. And again. And again. They're visiting her in July of 1939, months before World War II broke out. I don't find that a coincidence. I also don't find it to be a coincidence that she just happened to have the same level of power, wiping out all life in a given area, a few years before the first atomic bomb was dropped. There are agencies that are investigating this stuff. This is not just the realm of tinfoil hat wearing people. It's not just the realm of podcasters recording in a haunted closet. It's not just the realm of someone enjoying these stories while they're studying, driving their car, or doing their dishes. Serious, serious thought is being put into obtaining these powers, 
controlling these powers, using these powers. There are people, there are groups who take this stuff so seriously, they've learned the secrets. Which is fine, which is great. It would be the advancement of humanity if they shared these secrets with us. The ability to communicate with the dead. The ability to control matter. To have these craft that can break the laws of physics. But they don't share them with anybody. Not even their own countrymen. But these secrets are being kept. These secrets are being learned. These secrets are being mastered and used. And we don't even know the names of the people who wield such power. And yet these bureaucrats hold our world in the palm of their hand. Could we fight back against them? Could there ever be a overthrow of this shadow government? If three FBI agents couldn't bring in a woman sitting on her porch, rocking in her chair on a fine summer day in Alabama, could all the armies of the world take on a group of people who have mastered alien technology, occult studies, and paranormal forces? I'm afraid one day we'll find out the answer. And the reason why I'm afraid is because the answer will be humanity will lose to these magic-wielding madmen. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.